0: My name is Cole Brown. Uh, I'm excited to be with y'all this morning. Wow. A little too much love. He knows me. Do not let him get your hopes up. Things are all going to fall apart from this point forward. Uh, I do want to begin by telling you a little bit about myself. Those of you who know me are not going to be surprised at all by what I'm about to say. Those of you who don't know me but are capable of, of seeing and hearing will also probably not be surprised by what I'm about to say. But between first grade and 12th grade, I was a massive nerd. And I don't mean like the good kind of nerd that have intelligence and such, right? I, I mean the kind of nerd that gets beat up day after day after day after day, that gets made fun of, that's excluded from everything and that nobody likes, that kind of nerd, And I remember, well, actually, I've been reliving this this year, these past two years. My son plays Little League Baseball, and he plays Little League Baseball at Beaumont Middle School, which was my middle school. And the field is right next to what was, when I was there, the cafeteria. And so every day that I'm there at these games and these practices with my son, I get flashbacks. They're unpleasant flashbacks, flashbacks to all of those days, every day during those three years, 6th to 8th grade, where I would walk in to that lunchroom and I would see the tables, right? And every table was occupied by a different sub-community of our community of Beaumont Middle School, and I would look at table after table after table after table, and you could see that I was not welcomed at any of them, right? You could tell that there was nowhere that I was going to be invited to sit, and when I'm there with my son outside of that building, I still feel the sting some, I'm not going to give you the exact amount of years, but a lot of years Later, right? The only people who have good, could have given me access into those communities, who could have made me feel a part of anything, were the people who were already in those communities. But at those ages, especially in my day, I don't know if things have changed with, with the new generations, the in crowd always wants to stay the in crowd. And they don't want to do anything that might stain um, the reputation or the image of their community. They don't want to share what little glory they have with someone who deserves and has zero glory. This is normal. Or at least it was normal in my experience. But this is, a, as normal as it may be, an absolute perversion of God's design. Because there is no more in crowd than the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this most exclusive of all exclusive communities, the Trinity, invites you and invites me into it's community. It invites us to take a seat at the most intimate of lunch tables, the most eternal of lunch tables. It invites us into its very glory, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit community. And you and I would be utter fools to not accept that invitation. Because it's not just an invitation to, to sit at the lunch table with the in crowd, which would have been great in and of itself. This isn't even Simply an invitation to be in in intimate relationship with the most exclusive of exclusive communities, which by itself is utterly mind blowing. This is an invitation to share in the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where life itself, uh, from which life itself uh, uh, begins, where life itself ends, and where life itself is shared. We are invited not just into the most intimate of communities, but to share in the life of this most exclusive of exclusive communities. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is sharing in the life of the Trinity, this triune community with which we get to participate, in which we get to participate. We're going to start by me admitting that I'm the worst pastor in the history of the world because I just realized I didn't bring my Bible. Anybody have a Bible that they might feel like sharing with an underqualified pastor? Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, and we're going to look at John, which is in about well, about seven eighths of the way through your Bible. Uh, and <clears throat> we're going to look at John 17. I believe you guys have already looked at this with Mike or maybe some others who have preached here in recent weeks. A prayer, a famous prayer of Jesus the night before his death, as he prays to the Father for himself, for his disciples, and those who would come to be his disciples. And as we open up this, we're going to look at just a few verses of the context of this prayer. We're going to see first that we share in the life of the Trinity by receiving its joy, its glory, its love, its unity. We share in the life of the Trinity by receiving It's joy, glory, unity, and love. Jesus prays things that are going to give us some hints about this, starting in verse 13 of chapter 17. Jesus prays to the Father. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they, speaking of you and I, may have the full measure of my joy within them, sharing life of the Trinity by receiving Joy from the Trinity. Then we move forward to verses 22 through 26, and we see the following I, Jesus, speaking of us, says, I have given them the glory that you, Father, gave me, that they may be one. In the same way that we are one, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me, that you have loved me, excuse me, that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, the love you have for me, your perfect son, Father, may also be in them and that i may sell myself may be in them we share amen we share in the life of the trinity by receiving from the trinity it's joy glory unity and love the trinity as we saw in this prayer of jesus is so intimately connected and that's an understatement right It is so intimately connected that what belongs to one automatically, by default, belongs to the other. Jesus says, the glory you have given to me, the love you have given to me, the unity we share. What belongs to the Son belongs to the Father, belongs to the Spirit, and vice versa. And we know that though the Spirit is not mentioned in this prayer, we know that Jesus praying to the Father has just spent three chapters talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at the whole triune God here. But they're so intimately connected, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that what belongs to one belongs to all. Of course, there is no human relationship that could ever perfectly or even come close to illustrating this sort of intimacy, where everything... That belongs to one by default belongs to the other. The closest example we have, and the closest example we have is still very far, very far away from what we're actually what we're actually looking at, and that is this marriage, right? Marriage among human relationships is is incredibly exclusive. It's the most exclusive of all human relationships. But within that exclusivity, everything is shared. If I become rich, my wife becomes rich, right? Now, amen. (laughs) If I make a series of horrible decisions which will then affect me, my wife is affected by that same series of horrible decisions. And sorry to say it, the second thing is more probable in my marriage than than the first, right? My status is hers and her status is mine. If I'm married, she's married. If I'm separated, she's separated. If I'm a parent, she's a parent. If I'm childless, she's childless. What I am, she is. What she is, I am. It is for this reason, of course, or for, and many others, that, that marriage is described in the scriptures as a picture of God's relationship with his church. An exclusive community, extremely exclusive, within which everything is shared. And Jesus prays that you and I would have that sort of community with the Trinity. And He expects, He expects that as we do so, we will share the same joy, the same unity, the same glory, the same love with Him, Jesus, that He shares perfectly, eternally with His Father. We, it's just easy to say and so difficult to comprehend. We share with the Trinity, right? We share with Jesus the same glory that he shares with the Father. That's what we just read in the prayer. Do you realize the shock that that should be? That that is? We, who the Scriptures say have fallen short of the glory of God, are invited to share in the glory of that very same God. We, who the Scripture said, have made ourselves enemies of God, are invited to share in the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, who have hated God with our sinful independence and selfishness, are invited to share in the love that is shared between Father and Son and Holy Spirit. We who have made endless decisions that have separated us from the source of all life and light and joy, we who inherit the effects of sin and experience depression and darkness and anxiety, we are invited to share in the joy that marks the community of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, you, me, the source of all life, invites us to share in His life. The fountain of all love invites us to share in His love. The Lord of all glory invites us to share in His glory. The God who rejoices over His people invites us to share in His joy. And he doesn't just invite us, my friends, to observe these things in him, right? Like students of theology who say, God is love, God is glorious, God is united. He doesn't just invite us to observe these things. He invites us to participate in these things as a member of his eternally united, exclusive of all exclusive communities that shares all things, to participate and experience these very things and this is so hard to illustrate and this is going to happen to us throughout our time together today because it is so indescribably unique but the best example i have now this is embarrassing why do i always tell you guys so much about me i really shouldn't do that but the, the best example that I have to illustrate what it means to participate in the glory, unity, love, and joy of the Holy Trinity is my life as a male groupie. Some of you know that between the ages of 16 and 19, I was the greatest male groupie of all time. What I mean by that is that any artist who I admired who came into town, I was able to get close to the glory, right? I'd find the hotel, I'd find the backstage area, I'd find where there might be shopping or eating, and I would get close to the glory. Now, I need to be very clear with y'all. The only reason I wanted to be close to the glory is because I wanted a job in the music industry. That is it. That is all I wanted. I would get close to the glory because I wanted this job, but every single time as I got close, I would eventually come to a spot where I was not allowed to get any closer, right? I could observe the glory. I could almost touch the glory, but they'd say, all right, we're going to bed now. They'd say, all right, nice meeting you, see you later. They'd say, no, Cole, your name is not on the list. You have to get out of here and go home. (laughs) And then one day I finally got that job. I got a job with a producer uh, whose name is Teddy Riley. In the 80s and 90s, he was the biggest producer in R&B and hip-hop music, Michael Jackson, Rolling Stones, Jay-Z, and he who was and is and will always be the king of R&B. Somebody on this side has got to know. Bobby Brown. <laughs> Bobby Beresford Brown, the king of R&B for all of eternity. I don't know what y'all laughing at. All of a sudden I was no longer just observing glory, I was no longer just getting close to glory. I was in a human sense, right? I was participating in glory, not because of anything I had done, right? I couldn't play an instrument, I couldn't sing, I could rap, but nobody knew that, right? Um, Uh, i hadn 't been on television, nothing but by virtue of my relationship with Teddy, by virtue of being united to Teddy in relationship, his glory fell upon me right? so as he drove expensive cars, I drove expensive cars as 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 he had a private chef cooking his meals, I got to eat the private the meals of that same private chef. As he was flying first class, I was sitting next to him in first class. As he, like all celebrities, got free everything, right? I got to get the scraps of his free everything. I could go in any hotel, any business, any show, any concert, not because of anything I did, but simply because of my relationship with him. who had the glory. His glory was freely given to me. His glory fell upon me by virtue of me being in close community With him. Now, obviously, we're talking about a minuscule, minuscule amount of glory in a sinful, flawed human being. And yet, it illustrates to an extent what we're talking about with our relationship with the Holy Trinity. When we are talking about Uh, At this point of being invited into the community of the Holy Trinity, I want to clarify one thing. Oftentimes we Christians, especially those of us who have been in the church a long time, we talk about being invited into a personal relationship. And it is that. It absolutely is that. But it is so much more than just that. We are not just invited to know someone. We're invited to participate in a community with someone specifically, the God of all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not just invited to know, we're invited to be, to be in community, to be a part of a community, not just to know about the people in it, not just to know the people in it, but to ourselves also be in it. Its glory becomes ours, its unity becomes ours, its love becomes ours, its joy becomes ours. We share in the life of life itself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We share in the life of the Holy Trinity by receiving its joy, glory, unity, and love. Secondly, we share in the life of the Holy Trinity by reflecting its joy, glory, unity, and love. We're going to look at a few verses here. We're in the same prayer, chapter 17. Looking here at how we reflect these things, looking at verse 11, Jesus prays, I will remain in the world no longer, but they, you and I, are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. We're talking about a reflection of the Holy Trinity. In verse 18, as you sent me into the world, Father, I have sent them into the world. We're reflecting the Holy Trinity. Then we look at 21 through 23. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me me, reflecting the Holy Trinity. So Jesus' prayer is not just a prayer that we will share in the life of the Trinity by receiving from the Trinity, but also that we will share in the life of the Trinity by reflecting the life of the Trinity. So what we receive from the Trinity, and we receive, 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 is not just for us, though wonderfully it is for us, but it is also, to some extent, also for the Trinity, the very source Of what we are receiving. The Trinity receives glory by sharing glory with us. I'm just going to call your attention to one thing that Jesus prays in verse 1 of this prayer. It says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Receive so that I might give. The more the Trinity gives to you, the more the Trinity gives to me, the more we have to offer back to the Trinity. And all we have to offer is what we receive from the Trinity. We receive and we reflect. Specifically, Jesus prays that you and I as Christians would be one as he the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. We saw that in verse 11. He prays that we will go out into the world in the same way that Jesus went out into the world. That's verse 18, which we know, based on the rest of this prayer, is uh, marked principally by love, principally by truth. Right? The more the Trinity gives to us, the more we have to offer the Trinity. And we can do this. Right? We can actually do this. We can... We can reflect His unity and we can reflect His love and we can reflect His joy and we can reflect a degree of His glory as well. But we can only do this if we have first received the glory, the love, the joy, the unity that is found in the Trinity. If we have not received it, we have nothing, and I'm not exaggerating, I mean we have literally nothing to give. But, But if we are truly participating in the life of the Holy Trinity and sharing its life, we have everything we need to also reflect the nature of that same Trinity. We have it we reflect it. As the Trinity gives us joy, we reflect that joy. As the Trinity loves us, we reflect that love. As the Trinity showers us with its glory, that glory flows out of us. As the Trinity invites us into its unity, that unity spreads out of us and marks us as a community. And this should, to some degree, be natural. Right? We've all heard that phrase, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Because we recognize that to some degree it's natural for us to reflect right, the community that we have been a part of. And that, obviously, proverb refers to the first of our human communities. And so it shouldn't surprise us then that naturally, if we are receiving all of this from the Trinity, that, that naturally it should pour out of us and be reflected in us. But sometimes, of course, it's not. and when it doesn't feel natural, and when it's not happening naturally, we should still be able to reflect by simply looking for the motivation. And that motivation should be rather easy to find. Why wouldn't we want to glorify the one who has freely shared his glory with us? Why wouldn't we want to love like the one who has overwhelmed us with his love? Why wouldn't we want to be united with others in the same way He has invited us to be united with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't we want to share with others the joy that He has invited us into? Sometimes it's going to be natural, other times it's not, but we will always have the motivation to reflect what we have received from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot be a part of a community, right? and contradict that community there are exceptions there are frustrations there are failures there are setbacks of course but you cannot fully and constantly contradict the community that you are truly a part of like if you hate Jesus if you utterly hate Jesus there will come a day where you no longer want to hang out with the people of Eastside right I hope if you receive from the Trinity you will reflect the Trinity We share in the life of the Trinity by receiving and by reflecting His love, glory, unity, and joy. Finally, we share in the life of Trinity by inviting others into its joy, glory, unity, and love. Looking at verses 17 quickly. Excuse me, 10 quickly. 10 says... All I have is yours, Jesus to the Father, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. Then we jump ahead through 20 to 23, and we see the following. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Those are those we invite, right? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Skipping ahead to verse 23, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me, even loved them, I keep doing that, even as you have loved me. Jesus doesn't just pray for us. He prays for those who might come to be a part of the same community through us. As we receive from the Trinity, as we reflect the Trinity, he expects us to also invite people into the same community with the Trinity. And so in verse 21, as we saw, he says, when we do that, the world will believe that he was sent by the Father. In verse 23, he says, the world will know that he was sent by the Father. Right? He doesn't want us to just sit down at the lunch table and enjoy all the benefits of being a part of this exclusive, of of most exclusive of exclusive communities for ourselves. He wants us to scoot to the side, right? make a space, and when that person like me walks in the door looking around like, I have no home, I have nowhere to go, that we would call them over knowing they don't yet fit in with us, knowing they're filthy and outcast. We invite them to sit at the same table with us. He wants the joy. He wants the glory. He wants the love. He wants the unity that he he pours upon us, To spill out of us onto others. In the same way that as he pours it onto Jesus, it spilled out onto us. And when we do that, when we invite people in, it is the Trinity who receives more glory. And that's what verse 10 was explaining as Jesus was praying. Glory has come to me through them. When we invite others in, he is glorified. The world knows that he was sent by the Father. So how dare we subdivide our tables by politics, right? And I know that every one of you in here thinks, well, in that case, it's okay because my politics are the politics of the Trinity. Let me assure you, the Trinity does not have politics that exclude anyone because if it did, you would not be at the table either. Right? And so if you feel righteous or justified in uninviting, disinviting, segregating, dividing, or separating from others who could be at the same table because of their political views, you have yet to receive nor reflect what the Trinity offers you. We do the same with race. We do the same with cultural preferences. We do the same with our tangential theological distinctives, right? Oh, they believe what? Oh, no, no, no. We ought to sit at a different table. no. We are united through Jesus, who he is and what he's done. We are not united through what you think about tongues. We are not united through what you think about the last days. We are not united through any of those things. We were united through who Jesus is and what Jesus does and what has done. And what, uh, what words can I use that are appropriate for church? I I really don't know how to say this without saying something I'm not going to say. I am so sorry. I should really take notes before I get up here. Um, What, how hard headed do we have to be, right? How foolish and stubborn do we have to be? How hypocritical do we have to be to start excluding people from a community that we ourselves ought to be excluded from? (laughs) We are denying others what was freely given to us. Freely. And even worse, we are denying the Trinity the glory that it deserves from seeing yet another one sit At that same table in unity, in love, in glory, and in joy. Jesus is constantly at work to make this lunch table so much bigger. He's constantly at work to invite others to sit at that most exclusive of exclusive tables. And he does it by pouring out on us that we might pour out on others so that others along with us might receive and reflect and invite together for the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For years, I walked into a cafeteria. The same thing happened in high school, unfortunately. Um, for years, I walked into a cafeteria full of mini-communities. Right? And these mini-communities were made up of maximum-sized sinners, even at that age. And I was over and over again excluded. And then, at the age of 21, I was invited To sit at the most exclusive of all exclusive tables with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Now we hear that over and over again, and we sometimes get used to it. I know I sometimes get used to saying it. But it should cause us some cognitive dissonance, it should make us uncomfortable. If I was not wanted by tiny, powerless failures and sinners, how could I be wanted by the omnipotent and perfect and holy God? If I was not good enough to sit at the table with failures and sinners and impotent people, Could I sit at the table of the eternally all-powerful and perfect Lord of the universe? And the answer is found in what Jesus does right after praying this prayer. Right after praying this prayer, Jesus walks with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. He asks a few of them to stay by his side and stay awake praying as he continues to pray, but his prayer in the garden is very different from his prayer in John 17. He begins to literally throw himself on the ground. He is so stressed that he begins to sweat drops of blood and he cries out to his Father, with whom he's been perfectly united for all of eternity, if there is a way that this cup of wrath might pass from me, let it pass. Jesus was terrorized. He was filled with anguish. And it wasn't because he was afraid of the physical pain, which was one of the worst physical pains a human being could experience. Right? He was not experiencing these reactions, including physical as well as emotional reactions, because he was afraid of the physical pain that awaited him. Countless people had been crucified before him that were far less courageous than he, and they didn't break down as he broke down in that moment. What Jesus was anguished by, what Jesus was terrified by was the spiritual separation to be cast out of the table where he had sat for all of eternity, where he had been united in perfect intimacy with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. He knew that when he landed on that cross, he would be utterly alone for the first time in all of eternity the Lord of the universe, would be alone. Jesus voluntarily prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And the next day, just hours later, he was voluntarily separated from the in crowd. He was voluntarily separated from the most in crowd of in crowds, the God with whom he'd been united for all of eternity. He was also separated from the religious leaders, He was also separated from his friends who had abandoned him and betrayed him. Jesus not only was separated from the in crowd, but he was shamed in front of the in crowd. Now, I can tell you that a lot of years have passed, and that shame from walking in that building still affects me to this day. But that shame was absolutely nothing. Jesus was stripped naked. Jesus was condemned as a criminal. Jesus was hung to die while everyone watched and jeered. He was publicly shamed and humiliated. Jesus was made outcast, taken outside of the city, not even worthy of being murdered within the city walls so that you, the outcast, so that you, the shamed, so that you, the separated, could be brought near so that you would have an eternal home in the most exclusive of exclusive communities. He, Jesus, who had been and was and will always be eternally alive became on that cross spiritually dead so that you who had always been spiritually dead could be made eternally alive, sharing in the life of the Trinity by receiving its joy, glory, unity, and love reflecting its joy, unity, glory, and love, and inviting others to experience that same joy, unity, glory, and love in community with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of sitting at that table, one of the fruits of being in the most exclusive of exclusive communities with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of sharing life with the Trinity is prayer which is what Jesus did in John 17 and what you and I are going to do right now. Father, (laughs) Lord, we're beginning to see and be reminded that that is not just a word we cry out, but it is rich with meaning. You are God, our Father, who has given us a home. You have made orphans your children. You have made outcasts members of your community you have made the shamed glorified. God, we pray that you will help us to remember what we have received from you and what we continue to receive from you, and that it will never cease to amaze us. We pray, Lord, that as we receive from you, we will joyfully reflect those same characteristics in our lives so that you might receive the glory And that we will invite others into that same exclusive community. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we have doubted that we are loved, accepted, and a part of your community. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we have failed to reflect who you are to the world. And forgive us, Lord, for where we have created divisions, where you have asked us to invite. Where we have created distance, where you have asked us to draw people near. Empower us to do so for your glory as we continue to share in your life in Christ's name.